Hello, how are you doing today? Um, welcome to Saving Your Soul with Dolly. My name is Dolly Barker and I am very excited to be here with you today. Um, <clears throat> I just wanted to preface this by saying, if you're born again and you're a child of God's, you are righteous and holy and blameless. Nothing that should ever be taught to you should condemn you. <clears throat> um, you know, there should be some um, correction. If God loves you, he says he corrects his children. That's what we do. We love our children. We're not going to let them turn out like crazy people. We correct them. Um, so if, you, if you're loved by God, he's going to correct you maybe, but it should be received in a very positive way um, because he loves you. You know, that's one good thing about correcting somebody is <clears throat> you really honestly should love the person before you try to correct them. Love should be the priority. And with God, it is. And so when you're hearing a sermon or a message, um, just remember that God loves you. And if there's anything in your life that needs to be shifted a little bit, it's because he wants to help you go to the next level. He wants to help you mature. He wants to help you accomplish the things that you're trying to accomplish. And he knows that you're not going to do it unless he corrects you. <clears throat> so um, I just wanted to mention that just to make sure that you don't come under any kind of guilt or shame or condemnation because that's not healthy or productive. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, the Bible tells us that the very God of peace would sanctify you holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, the whole you, your whole being. And I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless into the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been focusing on the fact that you're a three-part being, and spiritually speaking, you are in perfect harmony with God. You are completely aligned with God. You have complete access to God. You are loved. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He is your ever-present help in time of need. <clears throat> he is your standby, your comforter. I mean, we could go on and on and on. Spiritually speaking, you cannot get any better than you already are. You are the image of God, spiritually speaking, in your life. You are the direct representation. Jesus was the first fruit of many brethren, and you're one of the brethren, so you're one of the fruits too. So <clears throat> I wanted to remind you of that. Now, your flesh, your flesh is a, an enemy to God. It's an enmity to God. What that means is your flesh is going to be continually in rebellion and wanting you to follow your flesh into just stuff that feels good. <clears throat> now, when you do that, it entangles you in a life that is going to cause you great heartache. And so it's not a good idea. That's why the Bible is trying to teach us how should we operate? How should we, who should we follow, our spirit or our soul? I mean, our flesh. How do we do that? Well, that decision is made in your soul. In your soul, you possess a mind. And with that mind, you get to make your choices because you have what we call a free will. Now, that's what makes you completely different from all the angels. Yeah, they had the ability to make choices, but they didn't have the right to do it. They didn't have a will, and that didn't end up good for them. God gave you a will. He would love for you to choose him because you want to. He's not going to make you do anything. Um, but if we present the, <clears throat> the facts, you will choose God because you'd be... You'd be kind of foolish not to. 
The Bible says that we're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You can only make decisions based on the knowledge that you've acquired. You know, a lot of times, especially now with all these parents homeschooling, I have to remind them, listen, you, you, you think you know this information because it was easy for you to learn it, and that's not true. Everything you know right now in your soulless realm, you were taught. And your children have to be taught. And a lot of things, most things, have to be taught like 120 times for schoolwork. You know, something that doesn't have a huge, strong emotional pull to it has to be taught like 120 times before that child gets it and retains it forever. So just because you know it, you assume because you told it to them one time and they're like, oh, okay, and you think they got it for good. Well, you know, they might forget tomorrow. You're creating synopsis. You're creating thinking patterns. You're creating, you're helping their, them develop. And so it is with the Word of God. As you're trying to grow and mature and become what God's called you to be, it's line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. You keep applying yourself to knowledge. You keep applying yourself to learn and to think like God thinks. And before long, you create the right synopsis, and it becomes your nature. It becomes, it becomes the way you habitually just do things. Then you start living a life of success, which is much easier than the hard world of bondage that we come out of. But a lot of people won't apply themselves to gain knowledge. But we're going to do that today. We're going to look over in Galatians 5, chapter 1. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free, and don't be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. You have been set free at the new birth experience when you got born again and your spirit man became alive unto God. You literally took all the limits off of you, spiritually speaking. Now, with this freedom, and you, you gain knowledge, and you start moving forward, and things are going good, if you fall back and let things entangle you again, you're going to have problems. It's going to create a yoke of bondage. It will literally set up limitations to who you are and who you can be. It is like the dog in the fence yard. You know, He's going to bark at you and put you back in your place. You don't want to feed the dog. You know what I'm saying? You want to you wanna put your flesh down and figure out how to stay walking in the Spirit. And it is a process. It is a process. You've been trained from day one to follow your flesh. If you're hungry, wah! If you poop, wah! If you don't like it, wah! You bite somebody. You do whatever you got to do because your flesh is in control. Until we start talking to you and teaching you things, and all of a sudden your mind becomes a player. So it's very important that you... Keep yourself in the freedom that Jesus purchased you. That is, that is the goal, to keep yourself in the freedom that he's purchased for you. It says, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. I again testify to every man that, circum- that is circumcised that he's a debtor to the whole law. Christ has become of no effect to you, whoever you are that is justified by the law, for you're fallen from grace. For we walk in the Spirit, we wait for the hope of the righteousness by faith. And for Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. So what he's saying here is if you're circumcised, that's not going to do it for you. Now, I'm not talking about whether or not you're physically circumcised or whether or not you want to circumcise your children when they're born. That's totally not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you're circumcised for the sole reason that you think that if I get circumcised, then I'm going to be saved, then you are now under the law and you're going to have to do all of the law. 
and every dot, every tittle. And let me tell you what, none of us could do it. None of us could do it. The Bible says all men have fallen short of the glory of God. So that's not going to work for you. What you've just done by taking that action and saying, this is going to make me righteous. You know, you're putting yourself under this huge law. It shouldn't be some, it's that self-righteousness and self-righteousness is not going to be successful in this walk. Although we're going to do righteous things, it's not because we think that we've earned it. If you've earned it, then Jesus Christ died in vain. So what he's saying here is, and uncircumcision is the same way. Just because you're uncircumcised doesn't mean you're automatically a hellion. You know, it's uh, what we're doing now. It's just the circumcision of your heart. You know, we're saying, you know, God, I'm yours. I'm yours to command, you know, tell me, teach me, lead me, guide me. I want to know your ways. I want to do it your way. I want to, I want to understand things. Then you're on a good path. But whenever you're stepping out and saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm circumcised. I'm this, I belong to this denomination. I'm this and I'm that. You're stepping out from underneath grace and putting yourself under works, which will cause great problems for you. The end result will not be what you think it's going to be. So I wanted to just to mention that because it's very important that we do things the way God says to do things. And he's saying here that our hope of righteousness is by faith and that in Jesus Christ, we have faith that works by love. I realized one day that every law that we have is a law of, if you loved everybody, that wouldn't even be a law. It wouldn't even be an issue. You know, the reason you get a speeding ticket is because you're being selfish. You're where you got to go and what you got to do is more important. And you're putting other people in danger because you're being selfish. You're not walking in love with everybody else. You know, everything that you do that's wrong is because you're not in love. And I know that seems when you first start hearing things like that, you're like, no, that's not true. Some things are for different reasons. No, it all boils down to your love walks. This is why it's so easy for the Lord to say this. He says in verse 13, Brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Now, he, you've been called unto freedom. You have been called to live a life where the world cannot control you. Only use this liberty for an occasion. Don't use this. Only use not. I'm sorry. Only use not this liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love, serve one another. For all of the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That literally fulfills all of the law of God. If you would learn how to walk in love, and I'm telling you what, you think, well, I can do that. It's not an emotion. Love, love, the, the gapy love here is not an emotion. The God kind of love is um, a choice. It's a decision to do what's best for the other people, even if it's going to cause you a problem. You know, you love your children. So, you know, you'll eat bologna every day so that they can take lunch money and have a pizza with their friends. I mean, that's love. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You, you have made a decision to love your spouse. You know, people sacrifice great things because their spouse has a need. And that's love. And, um, <clears throat> well, I say it's love. Sometimes it's witchcraft. Because you're just trying to manipulate the other person, and that's not of God at all. We're gonna well, let's look at that. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got this clear in my throat thing. Um, where are we at? Um, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed 
that you be not consumed one of another. Now see, whatever seeds we're sowing, we're going to be reaping those things. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay, so here it is. He's telling you, follow your spirit, not your flesh. They are opposites of each other. If you're following your spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of your flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. They are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now that's amazing. Because if you're following the spirit, you're not going to do anything wrong. Even if you accidentally do, or even if it's some habitual thing that you're not even aware you're doing, it's under grace. That's, that's the beauty of grace. If you'll try to do what the Spirit of God is leading you to do instead of what your flesh is leading you to do, you, are, you come into a place where you can do no wrong. And there is freedom in that. There is freedom in that. And, and the world loses power over you. It's... It's amazing that the world loses its ability to control you. Oh, it tries constantly. But as long as you stay following the Spirit and following the Lord, you literally get deliverance from all the pressures and the problems in the world. It's amazing. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Okay, so so this is going to just, the reason he's mentioning all these is because if these things are operating in your life, then you know, okay, I'm following the flesh in some areas of my life. Okay, I got to I gotta figure out how to shut that down. <clears throat> now, remember, we're not going to get condemned. We're going to search for answers on how to do that because... I had a lot of problems in my life, but God walked me out of all of them. I mean, I still have some problems. You know, none of us reach perfection, but I am nowhere near where I used to be. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so if you have these in your life, you know you're following your flesh. It says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, Variance, which is, <clears throat> variance is contention, debate, or strife. Emulations is envy and jealousy. And then you have wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and of such like. Okay, I know that was quite a list. And you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that wasn't doing some of that, if there wasn't some of that in every person's life. Of the which I told you before, and I've told you often in times past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, so let me explain that. The kingdom of God is actually a kingdom. It is a kingdom. It has a king. It has rules. It has enforcement. It has jurisdiction. It has ambassadors, which the Bible calls us. We are the ambassadors. Um, It has every single thing operating in it. Now, just like our kingdom here, wherever you live, if you live in America, you have this kingdom. Um, If you live in Europe, you have this kingdom. You know, everybody has a natural kingdom that they're having to deal with. But if you're 
if you're in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God supersedes the natural kingdom that you're living in right now. It's kind of like stories, um, even though they weren't even born again, the Old Testament stories are types and shadows for us to realize what's happening in the unseen realm, what they had to go through in the natural. So you've got people like Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were operating in a kingdom bigger than the kingdom that they were a part of. Joseph, he was operating in a kingdom bigger than the kingdom in the natural. They weren't moved by their natural circumstances. They were moved by what the kingdom that they represented was like. And their kingdom superseded this natural kingdom until in the natural they were promoted and became leaders because that kingdom supersedes this kingdom. Now, in order for you to operate in the kingdom of God, you cannot have your foot tied down in the kingdom of this world, which is completely ran by flesh. So you have this kingdom here in the world, and it's just this fleshly kingdom. Look around you. If, if all of these things are not just in the news every single day, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, you know, seditions, heresies, envies, murders. Well, that sounds exactly like the five o'clock news in any town, you know, anywhere you are in this country. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's just typical. That just represents the kingdom that's functioning right now on this earth. Although most people in America, now most people in America claim to be born again, claim to be Christians. And there's a bunch of them that are not, and thank God for good evangelists that are getting out there and getting them. But most adults right now in this country have heard the gospel and have prayed and at least believed that they're going to go to heaven. But in most cases, that's the extent of their belief system. And because of that, because they don't even have any knowledge of the fact that they're supposed to be saving their soul, that they're supposed to be choosing this day I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, choose. Because they have no teaching, the Bible says we are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because they don't have the knowledge. They're not stupid. They're not ignorant. They don't have the knowledge. The church is, uh, in their own words, you know, non-essential. So they don't have any value in the Word of God or in the teaching of the Word of God. And so they don't understand that it doesn't have to be this way. Those are the words my dad said to me. I was, we were having a drunken brawl out of my house for Easter one year. And my parents had found this church where they got filled with the Spirit and was listening to actual teaching of faith grounded in the Word of God. And they came to my house and my dad looked at me and said, Dolly, it doesn't have to be this way. And I thought, he is a nut. He is in a cult. You know, and I, I went to church for the sole purpose, me and my sister, we went for the sole purpose of saving my parents because we thought they are old. They are doing crazy things. We had no idea. And they were just barely in their 50s. It was so funny. I look back now, and I really thought they were so old back then. <clears throat> but um, I'm so thankful that he said that to me. Because it changed my life forever. Now, I know you could go to a lot of churches, and maybe they are non-essential. You know, if, if they're not even teaching the Word, if nobody's life is getting changed, if there's not any fruit, you know, then, then that's probably not the church you should be in. But <clears throat> a church that is based on the Bible and teaching faith and teaching you how to walk out the will of God for your life, that is the most vital thing you could possibly find
And I encourage you to find one. Pray about it. The Lord will lead you. Wherever you live, there's something around you close. God has provided for you. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, you look at the news and all of these things are manifesting every day. Well, that's because that's the kingdom that the world lives in. That is the way it is. But then it says, listen to this, in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, dun, 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 there's another kingdom. There is another way you can live your life, even though you're right here in the midst of this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance, which is self-control, which you're going to need a little bit of that to put your flesh down. Now, these, if you, if I want to show you something, this is called the fruit of the Spirit. Now, against these, there is no law. In verse 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh um, ah, with the affections and lusts. And if you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, and let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, or envying one another. So, once you get into the kingdom of God, be aware that your enemy is, your flesh is always going to be trying to still pull you to be envious or something of somebody else that's serving God with you. There's no room for that. We all have our place. And God's going to make sure that all of us get to fulfill our place as much as we want to. Nobody else gets to decide for you anything. You know, we did not get to decide our starting point, but we absolutely are in charge of our finish line. And God will help you do that. And you don't have to worry about what somebody else is doing because it is just between you and God. And he has a way to do it. You don't, that's fine. You don't have to tear somebody else down in order to do it because God does know how to do it. And he's got you. He's got you. But I want you to notice that the kingdom of God is described as fruit. Well, the kingdom of this world also is manifesting these things. It says in 19, the, the works of the law are manifest in this way. That is all fruit for the kingdom of the world. So what happens is you produce fruit naturally. Everybody does. You know, the Bible even tells us don't judge a person. Don't judge them, but you should judge their fruit. <clears throat> I am a fruit inspector. I guarantee you, I am a fruit inspector. I'm going to know who I'm dealing with just by watching and seeing what kind of fruit you're producing. That is what God tells me to do. That gives me wisdom in how to deal with who I'm dealing with. If you've got all kinds of problems manifested all in your life, I know what kind of root system you have. Because whatever root system you have in your life is absolutely connected to the kind of fruit system you're producing in your life. If I have an apple root system... That tree will produce apples, and it will not produce any other kind of fruit. And, you know, <clears throat> people have, for, for a long time, tried to make it look like they're Christians. Because they've never actually tapped into the reality of God and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So they try to look like they're producing the right kind of fruit. Um, they can go out there and they can glue a bunch of apples all over their tree. <clears throat> People do this kind of stuff. Um, they, they'll glue a bunch of apples all over the tree. So when they come into the church, they appear to be an apple tree. And there's people all around you doing that. That's where the term hypocrite comes from. Because <clears throat> they want so bad to, to be like somebody else 
and they, they want to produce those kind of fruit, but they haven't dealt with the root system. They're just dealing with the surface. They think that those other people are just surface Christians. No, there are some people that are actually really producing apples. And um, lots of them, lots of them. There is a big move of God. There is a strong Christian community in America and around the world, even in countries that's not even legal to be a Christian. There are strong Christian communities all over the globe. And there are real people producing real fruit. So if you go out and just try to attach a bunch of apples to yourself, what's going to happen is it's going to be discovered. Or if you go out and just decide, I'm going to cut off all these bad things I'm doing. And that's what the church, the church has done this. The church, because I used to be in this kind of a church where you can't, don't do that, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this and don't do that. So you're running around with a saw and every time a piece of fruit comes up on your life, like... Um, idolatry or, or envy or uh, anything that you're producing some kind of fruit, you run out there with your saw and you try to cut it off so that nobody sees it. And, and that's, I understand that's a, good, that's, a, that's a good attempt, but here what you're doing is you're cutting off all this bad fruit, but the problem with that is you've pruned the tree. So you can maintain it for a season, but after that season passes... When the next harvest comes up, it's going to be more. And even if you're really strong-willed and you get out there and you cut all this fruit off again and you back it down again and you don't let any of that fruit come to play, you again pruned it. And so what's going to happen the next season is a bigger bumper crop. And it's going to become more and more difficult to maintain what you're trying to do. Now, <clears throat> I'm proud of you. That's a valid, you know, you know, that's a good job. You're trying to do something, which is better than not trying to do anything. But you're not going to be able to walk in the Spirit by just controlling your flesh. You can't monitor the fruit. Because what will happen is the enemy knows how to send you circumstances and things in your life that will cause you to, pr- to produce that fruit that's uncontrollable for you to contain. Like, you know, if you are a grape and we run over you with a truck, grape juice is coming out. It doesn't matter what you decorated it like. You know, it, it really doesn't matter. What matters is what's inside is going to come out when the pressure is strong enough. And the world knows how to put pressure on you. And the world will put pressure on you. The enemy will use pressure on you to force something ugly to come out of your life. And when he does that, immediately he jumps on the bandwagon and condemns you. Look, you, oh, I knew you weren't a Christian. How could God possibly love you? Look what you've done. You're horrible. And then the next thing you know, just like Adam and Eve, the minute they saw themselves for who they really were, they run and hide from God. That is the enemy's pattern. He's done it in the Word. You know, we we see that he's done this in the past. So what you have to do is instead of just trying to maintain your fruit, which it's good to just put that flesh down. It is good to put the flesh down. And, you know, there's some things in my life I, I had to just put down permanently. And, um, and I'm not going to pick them back up. In the name of Jesus, I have the grace of God on my life to make sure that I don't pick those things back up. Because the doors are shut and I am free. 
Now, if the enemy comes along and tempts me to open those doors, I'm going to have to deal with that mess again. And I promise you, when you have when you open those doors and let the enemy come back in, it's it's going to be a little trickier next time because he did more damage on you when you were messed up than he did before in order to keep you from ever getting back strong with God. So my advice is if you get a door shut, <clears throat> beg God to help you stay on your, your stand that we're not ever opening that door again. Tell everybody, all your friends, all your family, listen, this door is not a healthy door for me and I cannot open it again. It must stay shut. You've got to help me with this. You know, Lord God, help me keep this door shut. But, in, but after you get a few doors shut, which you need to put your flesh down, you know, maybe you need to fast. Maybe you need to turn off the TV for a couple of days until you start seeing what's really going on inside of you. You know, the enemy keeps us so distracted, you couldn't possibly figure out what's happening inside of your soul, what's happening in your mind. You don't even know because he's got you so programmed to feed yourself, you know, food and TV and music and internet and social media and uh, all going places and all these things, he keeps us so distracted that we don't even pay attention to our own thoughts. And he is ruining our life by this, <clears throat> by this false kingdom just to service your flesh so that he can keep you in bondage. And that's fine. You know, if you want to stay there, you can. And I know you have good days and then you have bad days, you know, and it's just there's a better way. There's a better way. So whenever you're trying to figure out, though, how to get the fruit from producing, get it out of your life, the Bible tells us that repentance is the axe laid at the root. You know, if you're struggling with <clears throat> one of these, any one of them, you know, wrath, you just get angry and you blow up on everybody. If you're struggling with that, there is a root cause to it. It's not just a fruit issue. Fruit just don't show up on something with no root connected to it. There is a root issue. If you blow up on people constantly and you're angry and you're mad, listen, what you're going to need to do, it's very simple. You go sit down somewhere with the Lord and you say, God, I'm so sorry. I just hollered at my whole family and, and I'm so sorry I, I acted so violently. And I wish I would not have done that, but I don't know how to stop that. That, that just happens to me. I don't want to be that person. Please help me deal with whatever's going on in my life that causes this. I repent. The Bible says repentance is the ax. It's laid at the root. Once you give something to God and discuss it with him and say, this is ugly and I don't want it in my life, please help me with this. I want to change my life. I don't want to be this way. That is repentance. That's real repentance right there. God will put an ax in there and he'll start cutting that thing out and he's going to show you He's going to start showing you. Spend some quality, quiet time with God. Get your Bible and go sit down somewhere. It's quality, quiet time with God where you're not disturbed for just a little while. And let God start showing you when did it get in there? What is it? What lie did you believe that, that the enemy can just trigger you like that? There's something. Either you, you have low self-esteem. Somebody told you something horrible. Somebody hurt you. Somebody, because I have found hurting people are the ones that hurt people. Healthy, whole people are not the ones hurting anybody. So there's a hurt inside, and it's got to be dealt with. 
And the only one that can deal with it is God and the Word of God because the Word of God is quick and sharper than any two-edged sword. That's not who you are. That anger, that wrath, that's not who you are. That is just one root that's growing in there. You have a tree in there, and it's creating limitations for you that are stopping you from growing forward and becoming what God's called you to be. He's planted those in there strategically and on purpose to hold you captive, to keep you from going to the next level. The enemy is wise what he's doing. He is so deceptive and he's such a liar. And he'll make you think that all you are is a big, angry, mean person and you'll never be able to be used by God. And that's a lie. He put that mess in you. At some point in your life, that tree got planted in you. And God can deliver you from that root. And when he does, I promise you, sometimes God delivers me from something with one word. One word from God changed my entire life more than once. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, people can do their very best. And you know what? I still don't get angry like I did. You know, people can do their very best. And hey, you know what? I still don't fall into a slump of massive depression. I mean, it doesn't affect me the same that it used to because God removed the root. And so I want to just encourage you today. You're, God wants you to be free. He wants you to, to stand in that liberty that he's paid for, that Jesus Christ purchased you. But your soul is in the way because you've been trained by the world's kingdom. You're going to need to trust the Lord and, and come over here and let's try to figure out how to do it God's way. And I promise you, if you'll do what I'm saying, I promise you, you will see result, permanent results. And then as long as you keep that door shut, whatever that was that caused that in the first place, you know, people get all kind of issues because of pornography or something, which is a form of fornication. You know, you've opened that door and there is a lot of evil things that come with that door. I used to have a door, just the door of alcohol. Now, I had all kinds of pills and drugs and stuff involved in it too, but the door for me was the alcohol. And when I shut that door, all of a sudden, all kinds of problems in my life got cut off. He gained access through some door, and that's how he's sowing the seeds in your life. That's how he's involved in your world. That's how he's in there destroying you and all your relationships and your money and your health and everything else that goes with it. So I'm going to ask you just to please quietly give God some time and let's get to the root of the problem and get delivered. Amen. God wants so much. Jesus paid a great price for you to have total victory. And so God wants you to gain the knowledge that you need in order to have that victory. Amen. Man, I'm so glad you listened today and I'm, I'm praying for you. I really am praying for you. I pray in the Spirit all the time, and God knows I am praying for all the people that want to grow and want to learn and want to become everything that God's called them to be because Team Jesus is ready for you to get strong and take your spot as a leader in this world. Amen? Um, listen, I went a little long again. Oh, I'm long-winded, but um, I love you, and I will see you again soon. Bye-bye.